What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Dusty Dimes. What's going on, TJ? What's going on, man? How are you? Not too bad. How you feeling? Exhausted. I believe it, man. So, uh, before we get in today, who we have coming on? Uh, we got Eton Javeria, former ECHL uh, player, pro inline player now. And we got a uh, junior player, Jake Lakatos, is coming on as well to talk about his uh, season that he just played in the EHL. Sick. Sick. So, it's going to be another good podcast. Um, before we really hop into that, can I talk about our new sponsor real quick? Absolutely good. So, um, our previous podcast, we were talking about Goodwood Hockey, and I'm going to touch on them pretty much every podcast. But uh, Goodwood Hockey is a small company ran by Kelly, but also partnered up with John Shabu. Um, for most of you, they know who John Shabu is. John is a pro inline player right now. He is also playing in the coast, or I'm sorry, in the SP, excuse me, but he's working his way up to get back in the coast and AHL. But, um, for Goodwood Hockey, each season they actually um, feature a specific design that benefits a certain charity. So this year their design is Live Love Hockey, which is a women's or a child or like a little girl shirt. And every time you purchase one of those shirts, um, part of the money goes to a charity for uh, basically clean water. So again, go to GoodwoodHockey.com to give them a look and also to give a look for John Shaw. But other than that, welcome on, Jake. How are you, man? Good. How's it going? What's up, Not Jake? How bad, are you? Man. Not much. Just hanging out. Got a day off finally. Nice, uh, Eric, nice. Eric gave you a day off, eh? <laughs> yeah, I got a day off, but I actually got to fill in for uh, for Daw in men's league tonight, playing some roller. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> uh, Weird. It's a good time. I, I enjoy roller. Yeah. So how was your season? Uh, <laughs> um, where to begin with that one? Um, interesting to say the least, um, just really good group of guys, uh, very, very young team, but very odd dynamic. In, in what sense? Uh, I mean, nobody really lives near each other there. That team, everybody was for the most part an O one one or younger. So really like they had to have their parents drive them. None of them were billeting. Um, so we never really got like that. Uh, team vibe where when you have a bunch of guys that live together like in the last podcast when you have a bunch of guys that live together you bust each other's balls you have a good time you get really really close we never really had that because everyone was driving to practice from home and everyone lived an hour and a half from this guy and nobody was really like in the middle either it was really weird now how how would you say your coaching staff was and what's that how was your coaching staff? Uh, coaching staff was interesting. I mean, I love Pete to death. Great guy. Um, very goal-oriented. I mean, he knew it was his last year uh, coaching juniors this year, and he wanted to go out with a bang. Um, and, I mean, everyone saw we kind of had a rough start to the season, but we def- definitely pulled it together towards the end, uh, made a push against the Little Flyers for the playoffs. Oh, for sure, man. Uh, one of my last questions, uh, did Jake Renega ever step on the ice? <laughs> uh, that kid. Uh, <laughs> the first, I listened to the first podcast and you guys brought that kid up and I lost it. Cause like, I knew exactly the vibe he gives off. Uh, he was, he was a uh, part of our 
what was called the JDP program, which would be like junior development. A um, bunch of like younger guys that really aren't old enough get get a chance to practice with us. Um, and he was one of those guys uh, and just very strange, like always wanted to talk to me and like whispered and got real close and just like kind of creepy kid. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. He, it's yeah. what he was like. It, it was, yeah. it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah and like Cliff's kid, like would tell us how this, like apparently he lives near Cliff uh, and, and Nick Raz was just like, yo, this kid will not leave me alone. <laughs> oh god like hitting him up every day after school like you want to hang out you want to do this like he's like no <laughs> question did cliff always pack bombs uh i'm uh i don't want to get him in trouble <laughs> no right, not not publicly all right hey listen fair enough fair enough but, Jake, um, you, oh, Jake, you're gonna stay on a while. We, we're gonna Eton's on right now. We're gonna, we're gonna get to him. So stay on. We're gonna get back to you with Max and everything. Okay. <laughs> sure, absolutely. All right, Eton, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Everything's good over here. What's going on, man? Man, so, thanks for having me on here. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. So, uh, one of my questions is, what? Can you tell me your experience playing with for uh, Team USA? Yeah, let's see. Um, it started back in 2006. That was my first uh, look at Team USA. Uh, I was 18 years old, um, playing with like CJ Yoder, uh, his brother, uh, you know, some good players, Washington Bomber. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great, great experience. I was able to play with my brother, Walk, uh, with Jerry, and then we had Amin Claire that was on the Palm Cyclones at the time. Uh, yeah, was great your... time. We, uh, what was... we played in the... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, what was probably, like, your biggest challenge when you were playing for Team USA? Did you notice, like, uh, certain guys were better than you and you had to, like, change your your speed a little bit, change the way you play? Well, that was my, my goal at 16 was I knew I was – I knew I had some type of skill of scoring. I had a scoring skill. But that's because mm-hmm. my game was just cherry-picking, right? And I just wanted to score breakaways. Out of boy. I thought but, that's, uh, that's, that's most guys when they're 16, though. Right, right. Just want to get the goals, right? So, uh, yeah. So my main thing was training from 16 to 17. Having my like, I guess setting my myself some goals was I wanted to be fast. I wanted to be able to hang out, hang with any pro player in in the league, and try to be the fastest player. So that was my goal. I knew I already had the hands. I knew I can get the vision, and my game would come along while I'm training. But it was just the uh, speed. So I was training like a cyclist, and I was training like a speed skater. Uh, I would just literally skate laps around the rink, um, you know, day after day. But um, yeah, I think when it when it came down to that, it was more of just being. I guess it was just more being like less selfish and just kind of uh, playing the game with older guys. Because back in the day, it was more of an ice hockey mentality. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of give and goes, and you know bang bang the body a bit and you know, that, was, that was pretty much it i mean because i think i mean from there from now the game's changed a lot you know there's a, a lot bigger uh, a lot more uh ice hockey players that are playing the game than uh, oh. that are now oh for sure and have you ever had like a not necessarily a superstition but i know in ice there's guys that are pretty superstitious with their equipment and roller have you ever just kind of like changed your wheels or like bearings or anything just to kind of like make yourself quote unquote go faster in your mind <laughs> uh when i had the labeda spot when i rode with labeda i used to change my wheels every game 
Are you serious? Like that. Oh my and, god! And I think all the kids were—they uh, loved me because I would give away free sets every time I had wheels. I would either leave them where I changed my wheels at, and whoever picked them up. So like it was, it was becoming this little thing where I'd see these young little players like buying me while I'm changing my wheels, and then as soon as I left, I got up. You see a little like rink rat just come in and just grab the wheel real quick. <laughs> but that's what it's all about, man. I mean, if I had, if, you know, we had it like that. We had it where we're able to get new wheels all the time. Uh, so that was superstition for sure for new wheels. And then um, my stick. I never keep my stick with any of the other players. It's always right next to me. So that's that's sick, though. Yeah. So and then unless I'm garbage, you know, the old the old classic one, right? Just throw it in the trash and get those oh, garbage bowls. God. <laughs> Oh my god! So uh, I would switch it up. One of the things that TJ wrote down was also, "What was it like signing with Reebok?" Fuck! What a it's crazy. I, I just took that. Uh, me and the lady just went down PCH yesterday. Uh, we we played we played a Narch qualifier this weekend, so we went to the beach after the tournament, and we took down PCH. And the reason I'm bringing up PCH is, I had my fir- I had my meeting with Reebok. At this place called uh, Spaghetti Spaghetti Bender, <laughs> what a classic name, right? So uh, that was insane, man. I, that's when that was the time when I was just posting videos on YouTube and you know social media at the time. And one day I got an email from Reebok saying, "Would love to have a meeting with you with some executives." So we we met about Spaghetti Benders. There's probably like there's probably about like six guys that uh, joined the joined the conference or the conference the meeting mm-hmm. and that was just under the, the contract hey we love what you're doing right now with the sport we'd love for you to push it um we'd love to pay you 500 bucks a month give you as much gear as you need i said perfect so i took advantage of that like the one time they sent me like four pairs of skates like 12 sticks like four pairs of gloves i was in spain i was living it up like at one point they sent me a black pair of skates and a white pair of skates and i was playing for palma at the time so i had a so I went with a black and white skate. I, I used two different skates at one, just because I had it like that. Yeah. And, oh uh, my god. <laughs> just some fucking unnecessary things, but you know. You were the guy that brought like four pairs of fucking skates, three pairs of gloves, <laughs> and everyone look at you be like, "All right, you're a big baller." Yeah. So I just stuff like that, man. I just had fun with that. I, I think that's what it really came down to. I just had a lot of fun with uh, the journey of you know Reebok and. And just being able to play for Palm at the time and traveling all these different tournaments. And, man, it really was like superstar status, man. It, it really was. Uh, I really thought the sport was moving to a certain direction. And then it kind of just stopped. I actually stopped playing. And then uh, now, now I'm getting back into it. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to, trying to bring back the sport where it used to be, where it could be, you know? Yeah, no. And, and in your perspective, do you see it kind of expanding now or do you still kind of feel like it's in the same spot of when you quote unquote, like retired for a little bit? Um, I think it's at a standstill right now. My, my personal opinion. Um, I mean, yeah, it's great with all like the video stuff and everybody's posting on, on uh, Instagram and all that, but I feel like the ice ice rolls just dominating still. Um, and I was talking to somebody before up, I think the only way for us to to bring back the roller game is if if ice hockey embraces us again, kind of like back in the day when when I got into hockey. I yeah. mean, Wayne Gretzky opened up a bunch of uh, roller hockey rinks down here under his name. 
Um, the NHL was just totally backing up, you know, roller hockey. That's when we had Reebok. We had Nike at one point in, in, at a Narch tournament. I mean, it has to be a it has to be a two way street. Like ice hockey, it really has to embrace our sport and and help us out in a way because we're we're basically the same players. I mean, all the players play roller and ice. Yeah. most of them. Um, at least like the high the high end guys, right? The, the high end guys that play pro hockey are playing. Uh, pro roller playing pro ice hockey somewhere so yeah it just has to they just have to come back and i know the ducks are helping out with building all these rink or putting the rink their names on the, all the old roller rinks which is pretty cool but I, I don't know i think we just i think we need to grow the sport a little bit more like i don't see i don't see younger teams i don't see, see the same teams i don't see younger players coming out as it used to when i was younger no, yeah, and, and that that's the issue. I mean, I remember growing up, at, I mean, I was four or five years old. First thing I threw on were roller skates because I was playing roller hockey until, you know, sun up till sundown. And now it's one of those things, you know, I would go to, you know, ice practice in between that at six to seven at night, come home, play roller again. Now you don't yes. see that anymore. Kids are on Fortnite playing, you know, I don't know, just kind of like the bullshit social media that everyone's falling into instead of, like, having the parents push them outside and, like, give them a stick and, like, say, hey, here's 100 pucks, shoot all 100, then come inside. I don't know. Right. No, it's not It's not like that anymore. I think it's a lot more – a lot of a lot of these parents are a little bit selfish too, right? They're trying to do their own little agenda. And so they yeah. just plug their kid in front of a, a computer or a game set and, you know, let them, let them you know, do their thing. But – uh one, my biggest yeah. thing to do with that, it, it's kind of like I see a lot of parents because um, I live at a rink. So you see a lot of parents just drop their kids off, hand them to their coaches, and then pick them up an hour later. Like, no one stays anymore. No one actually, like, tries to help their own kid, like, even critique them a little bit. I'm not saying, like, be a back, you know, backseat type of, you know, parent up in the stands yelling at your kid. But, like, if your coach is telling them to do one thing and, you know, they're going home and just playing Xbox or – not bringing the things at home with them and trying to work on it, they're only screwing themselves. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so many different angles to go that way. I mean, if I if my if I had a kid at the moment, you know, he's eight years old, ten years old, whatever, I, I would be at the rig uh, filming him, you know. And then when he comes back, be like, hey man, this is this is how your shot looks. You know, it, it's a lot better when you can review yourself and see yourself like, oh man, my my skating's not that good, or my shot is actually really really terrible so stuff like that like, that's how i would you know I think story the, the parents, yeah if they if they can be like that i mean the most of the most of the parents should be more engaging like you're saying in their kids so, you know making it seem like it's a fucking uh you know, daycare dropping yeah, off at the coach so. no and that's the biggest thing too man it's, it's just aggravating seeing that but uh, TJ, do you have any questions for him, man? Uh, yeah, yeah, Ita, I got, I got a question for you. I mean, I don't want to overstep the boundaries here with you know when you're no brother. man, shoot it, man, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> when your bro- when your brother was was diagnosed with cancer, what was what was the time like there, and and did and, and did it kill him not to play hockey? I know he was probably Jones in the play hockey. Like, how'd you guys overcome that and be there for him? Well, that's man, that that was crazy. He was uh like he was on route when he was getting invited to the double IHF tryouts for USA. He was making teams and all that. Um, you know, they even sent him home because, you know, one of the 
one of the guys said he had cancer and they're, and they're like, well, you have cancer. You, you can't even play. I'm like, what do you mean? Can I even play? Like I'm here. Yeah. That, that's how, that's how crazy walk is, man. Like he'll go out and regardless if he had cancer or not, man, he's going out there to try because he just loves the sport. That oh, absolutely. Much. Hands down. Yeah. And if, you know, if you hear, if you know his story and, and both of ours, and basically I just kind of went under, under his wing and just whatever his, his lead was, I followed mm-hmm. right behind him. But, you know, walk at, at a young age, you know, his goal was to make the RHI. His, his goal was to make, you know, be a pro roller hockey guy. Because at the time, you know, RHI was happening. Pro beach hockey was going on. I mean, we were so close. I mean, there were seven rinks in, within two miles of uh, roller rinks where we lived. So that's pretty crazy it's, of itself. So this guy just, you know, literally just loves the game. But when he had, man, when he's diagnosed, man, that was, ah, that was just like, that was a crazy time because we were still playing and he couldn't play with us. But the coolest thing about the whole thing is we, when we were winning tournaments, all the prize money was going towards his uh, treatment. Yeah, that was badass. Awesome. Yeah. So that was, that was a really cool hey. thing. Um, but yeah, again, you know, that's, that's why we're enjoying it so much now together because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's all we got with us in our sport. You know, we're the young, I'm the youngest of nine kids. He's the second youngest. And we're the only ones that uh, play hockey in our family, so we stick we stick close together, and you know we just enjoy the sport, and we're just trying to give back and and just try to enjoy. Like this is my workout. Like this weekend, um, played six games in a weekend. I, I love that shit. Yeah, since I, since I, you're I, since you're talking about the weekend, can you tell us about the video you tagged us in? <laughs> <laughs> so, regardless of fucking Darren talking shit and, and you know having a good time with it, yeah. but. Uh, this is the funny part about it. I see him pulling up with his big ass camera behind the net, mm-hmm. and that puck just pops up for a breakaway. And I'm like, "Oh, perfect! I got something." For him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I play, man. If there's a camera, th- like if there was no camera there, I would have never done that move. Um, but you know, because he had a, a you know, Darren always has the top of the line cameras. I, I got to do something fun for him, yeah, because I know he's, he's all into that stuff. The goalie just but, looked at uh, you like you fucking dick. Yeah, yeah, you know and the boys are, you know the young young players are funny. Like we got Chase and Hayden, and you know before the tournament even starts, you know we we see the schedule and we realize you know there's a bunch of men's silver and gold teams. I'm like, ah oh, man, like it's not our fault that we put ourselves in the tournament and you know nobody signs up. Like we're we're there just trying to play hockey. You know we're we're thinking absolutely that, yeah. like uh, you know Palm is going to show up a revision revision. Like there's so much hawk there's so much talent in in California that there, these tournaments should be, like, it's roller season, man. Like, you should be signing up for these tournaments um, if you're, um, you know, you're a company out there. So we didn't know what to expect. So, uh, you know, got the young players like Hayden and Chase. They're like, hey, Ethan, are you going to do the backhand Michigan? I'm like, dude, I'm like, I only do backhand Michigans when the score's tied 1-1. You know, like, we're not going to do backhand <laughs> Michigans when the score's 6-1. Like, we, yeah. Yeah, if you know my style, like, that's – I don't roll like that. That's like a – to you know mercy a team like you don't do it you don't do it like that you yeah and that's you know that's why i laugh at all these kids right now when they're doing all these trick shots in, in front of an open net like come on do it in the game you know show me show yeah. me something you know challenge yourself touche touche <laughs> hey real quick uh can you touch on playing a little bit in the coast and for ontario oh man that's a funny story so freaking a um was in my ice hockey career was real short 16 years old I started playing. It's kind of expensive out here in California, so I had a had a per uh, one of the fathers sponsored me. Got the itch for that, and I just started playing from 16 to 20, just nonstop playing ice hockey. 
um, went all over and played in Austria for a little bit. Um, ran out of money over there. I should have stayed in Austria when I was playing for the Red Bull uh, junior team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was out there. It was kind of like a, a movie in a scene, man. Uh, yeah, scene in a movie in a scene in a movie, man. Just basically like m- met this chick, met this chick out there. It was my day off, so I ended up hanging out with her. Um, somehow my phone died. The head coach of the senior team was trying to get a hold of me to take me on a road trip to Sweden. They couldn't get a hold of me, dude. So they somehow they call up the girl. She relays relays a message message to me, and she goes, "You need to go to the rink right now." Like they're leaving. I'm like, "Oh shit!" So I take my bike, and I'm I'm just fucking hauling my ass down there. As soon as I get to the rink, the bus is taking off. the The coach looks at me and just shakes his head like, "Yeah, you fucked up, right?" The bus takes off. Uh, I go to the rink and my agent's there and he goes, Hey man, what do you want to do? You kind of fucked up. I'm like, it's my day off. Like, I mean, fuck yeah. My phone was dead, whatever. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, they just opened up a new rink and uh, a new team in my hometown. I said, I'm, you know, I'm just going to go try out for them. I'm like, I'm over it here. So I, I flew back home. I went to an open tryout. That was a full gimmick. It was just the whole like ECHL new team in California they had an open tryout, kind of like Invincible. Yeah. <laughs> like that movie. <laughs> Dude. So I'm like, you know what? If I don't make this team, I'm just going to just play roller hockey. I go down there. I have a tryout. Uh, I make the main camp. Then I make the team. But tell you the truth, man, I, I feel like I was just like this whole gimmick thing because I was a, a home. I was a local kid that had, a you know, a little bit of talent. And I really didn't play too much hockey. Like, literally, the coach put me – he put me in for special teams. Like I only received my points from uh, playing power play. Oh <laughs> my god, yeah, dude, <laughs> fucking hey! I mean, I'm like, if that could have been a career though, right? Just being a power play guy. Like, oh fuck yeah, hey. yeah, man! <laughs> you can pay me 1.3 any day of the week to sit in front of the fucking net. Exactly right. So for eight times a game at most. <laughs> sign so me up, funny. boys. But, the, I mean, the whole experience was cool, man. Um, just kind of playing with those type of players. It was a little Goonie League. At, at, it, now the skill is a lot better. Um, but, yeah, it was a little Goonie. I was a little small. I was a little small. I was weighing like a buck seventy. But the whole experience, man, and just playing playing in my hometown was, it was actually pretty cool. Brand new arena. Um, you know, 14,000 fans would show up to the games and stuff. And it was just, you know, r- really cool experience. I had a good time. And then as soon as I got released, I went to I went back to Europe and played some roller hockey over there. So, yeah, man, my 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 ice hockey career was short, but I got a little sniff at it. Kind of saw how like the politics were and and you know how they run you know programs over there. So overall, no. it was a good experience. Oh yeah, for sure, man. I mean, at least you got to play a little bit of pro ice. A lot of guys can't even say they did that. Yeah, I know, I know. I, just, I guess at the end of the day. Um, I just didn't really give it my all. Like, I wasn't in love with the sport. I think I was just chasing the, the contract, yeah. if anything, yeah. and not playing for the love of the game. And my, yeah. my whole love of the game was for roller hockey, man. Like, that's it's still in the back of my mind. Like, how can I help this sport grow? And I have some ideas and stuff, too. But, again, it's going to take some funding. But, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's always on my mind. Like, how can I grow the sport of roller hockey? Because I love it. I love it, man. It's just uh, it's a, it's a fun game. But again, it's it comes down to it. My my personal opinion is we got to change the rules. All have to be the same. They have to be played on a small rink, 
it has to be it has to be filmed a certain way too. Like it has to be look, it has to look good on TV as well. I mean, when you look at a team, you know, wasting time behind the net, that's, that shit's boring. That's yeah. boring. I, I, I literally, Ethan, I said that from refing at winter wars, you know, two weekends ago, I literally touched on that. I said, it's, 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 it's to me as a ref, it's, it's comforting because I don't have to fucking move. <laughs> right. But it's fucking boring, man. The watch, it's it's like you go up, you have nothing, and you stay behind the net for literally thirty to forty five seconds. But fuck that time. though. But fuck that though. If you think it's it, you're it's easy, right? You shouldn't. If you're a ref, you should be fucking all about it, man. You should be going up and down. And you should be calling penalties. You should be just oh, absolutely. all all about it, man. And that's that's the whole thing about our industry. It's like all right, I'll just take a paycheck. You know, it's just a game for somebody else. Like, but to me, I mean, I'm I, I'm not saying I I don't I, I don't like it. I'm not saying I like it. It sucks. And I, I told Mike it was fucking. Boring boring it really was listen my opinion as an official <laughs> if you're not trying to throw a coach out at least one coach out of fucking tournament you're not trying to do your job i'm just saying fucking love that dude fucking fucking, fucking be about it man i'm telling you fucking man, drop right. the fucking drop the puck the right way man fucking yeah not that knees. fucking sideways bullshit <laughs> <laughs> fucking skip it around between your legs and you're just hacking at the guy because you're getting pissed off and you can't get the puck you uh, probably did fun, that, dude. TJ. That's probably why you got butt ended. <laughs> no, I got fucking high sticked off a face off from a fourteen year old. He's probably Jeez. like you fucking jackasses for you. Got whacked. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'll tell you what, Eton. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. No problem. Anytime you guys have like a question or anything like that, I know my brother would love to be on it as well. Um, I know Junior. Um, you know, I think any of the roller guys in general, man, like. I love the shit, you know. And if I can help out in any way, let me know. If it's uh, get if it's getting in touch in contact with the player, let me know. Absolutely, That's yeah, for sure. I'll tell you what: if we can get all of you guys on in one podcast, just to make it like a pure roller hockey podcast, that that episode that would be sick because I would love your input from all of you guys and how the game should change and what you guys would like to see and what you guys don't want to see. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm all I'm all about that. So. Keep up the good work, man. Love the name. Awesome. Love, Thank uh, you, John. Love Appreciate you guys being on. All right, fellas. All right, later, brother. See ya. I'll tell you what, man. Holy fuck. That what guy. A man. What a man. That guy has some good ideas, and, like, he needs to get in contact with John because, like, if those two linked up and started, like, coordinating something for a Roller, that would pop off because, dude, John's a huge name. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the Roller industry. But, anyway – Jake, back to you, man. What's going on? Thanks for staying on with us. <laughs> I'm I'm doing a little spring cleaning, so it's I'm just listening while you guys so, uh, while you talk. So Jake, you, doing a little cleaning. Hey, you're stuck in the vacuum. No, no vacuuming. I think you would have heard. Yeah, <laughs> trust me, been, Mike. So anyway, what? So so Jake was he was texting me about uh, Max Samoilovich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he uh so so th- that kid. The first time I ever met him. Did he bring uh, a Bible? Like when he walked, what's that? He had that? a Bible in his hand. <laughs> he did okay. not. Uh, he came into the store with his mask, and like, he's like, "Dude, I don't know what to do about my helmet." And he shows it to me, and all like the screw backings from his cage were popped off. <laughs> so somebody ripped him in the head enough times that his entire cage fell off the helmet. Jesus. And <laughs> he came in. This is yesterday. He comes into the store again. With the top two screws out, so the cage is flopping forward, 
And it's the same thing. I'm like, I said to him, I'm like, you get hit in the head more than any goalie I've ever met. And I asked him, did guys shoot at your head intentionally? Like, is that everyone's goal in practice? Kind of. He just, he just laughed and was like, yeah, maybe. It, well, it, it kind of was almost. I, mean, I don't know. It was one of those things. It was either that or five hole. <laughs> five hole. I mean, I don't, I don't really know him. I just know him from coming to the store. And I mean, do you listen? He just seem, he seems out there. Listen, ha, do you want to see him on the ice? Because we can find a way to make this possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, me and me and Maxim versus you guys on the ice. <laughs> listen, slap shots for days and. We already know how Max goes with those. He's like over a thousand right now. So, oh, oh boy. Um, so he literally, he literally just stands. At, he comes to the store and just hangs out at, at the store. Yeah, he kind of like well, uh, well, somebody will ask him if he needs help, and then like a second person will ask him if he needs help, and he always says no. Has he ever worn a and then like coat? five minutes later, was that he ever worn a trench coat? Just like kind of. He has come. He has come in in the trench. Yeah, Jesus he, Christ. He's gonna be that guy in ten years that someone's calling the police on just to have the police check up on him walking down the street. I'm just saying. Just <laughs> saying. But hey. Yeah. Hey, who am I to say uh, that? But That's I mean, my he. Opinion. Yeah, he just but he just kind of comes in and like hangs out, and then like eventually he'll find someone and be like, oh, by the way. Like, I need help with this. Oh, as and he's, like, like walking out the door. By the way, like, he couldn't make conversation. Yeah, he just, like, he just kind of wanders around. Moseying around. Yeah, he either comes in and he's very direct, or he, like, moseys around and, like, says he doesn't need help, but then he'll ask Wait, for help. Wait, time out. You said you work in a pro shop, right? He works at... Uh, I, work, I work at Monkey Sports. He works with my brother-in-law. Oh, never mind. I was going to say, if you work in a pro shop, I was going to ask, now, does your pro shop carry... Uh, you know, top of the line gear from 17 years ago and still charging them top end or because that's like our pro shop uh, around here. No, no, M- Monkey doesn't do that. Uh, I mean, people come literally on a daily basis. People come in like because they see our clearance deals and like it's all online. Everything in th- that store is not big enough to have old stuff like that. It's very, very different from a from a pro shop. And like that's what a lot of people don't get is they think like we have all the old stuff, but we're a big corporate company selling through this stuff like crazy. Not a mom and pop shop where we order 10,000 pieces and can only sell five. Hey, I'm just saying. So we don't have, I, I, we don't get stuck with that old stuff. If you, you could come across any CCM four roll size 14 that you're, you're apparently throwing out, just send them to my place. <laughs> because, uh, mine are they're, they're probably, they're probably a pretty good markdown. There's probably some pro stock ones on the website. Are you talking Talking about gloves, did you see that um, Verbero, their fucking their florals are a de- their Dexter, their top of the line gloves are like forty bucks now or thirty bucks. No, really? Yeah, dude. I that's that's insane. From what I gathered, I, I mean, was it made see, through supposedly, tinfoil? Supposedly that the, the Verbero got sold to some guy. I that's what I I got last night from a text message from a buddy. <laughs> Sounds like revolution. I, it's it's very possible. They're, yeah, they're, what happened with what happened like with that bucks. with the rev? <laughs> what happened with the rev? Dude. I heard they were getting. I heard that Devin and Phil sold them. They did. Yeah, they're with uh, Black Bear Group right now with the people that own Team Maryland and Youngstown. Right. Yeah. So that there, that's all taken care of. That's all done and over wow. with. Yeah, it's pretty good. Maybe. Yeah, never mind. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going there. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh, anywho uh, um so 
work at, at Monkey, do you guys get like a pretty solid discount or what? Uh, I can't publicly disclose that, but it definitely helps. Hey, listen, you don't got to publicly. I can. You can just I, any firm. I can confirm. Any any <laughs> any amount counts. <laughs> oh, hey, listen, that works for me. I mean. Just saying, I'll send you my digits. No. Anyway, that's where, uh, my, that's where that's where Lanny gets all of his hockey equipment from, from Uncle Eric. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Monkey's the place to go. I used to go there all the time. I used to drive out of my way. Uh, I think the one in – do you guys have one in Jersey? Yeah, it's in Woodbridge. Yeah, I think I went to that one a lot. And I don't, I, every single time I went there, I would stay there for a good two and a half hours, basically, because I was just looking at, like, the pad wall, just realizing, like – Dude, there's so many styles. Yeah, man, styles. people come in just to hang. Yeah. People man. come in just to try stuff on, and it's, it's kind of cool, though, because, like, you get some cool people, and then, like, the best is when older guys come in, because there's, there's these guys that are probably, like, mid-40s, mid-50s that come in, and they have, like, these old-school pads that are just above their knee, so anything on the wall is, like, crazy to them. Oh, So yeah. trying to find stuff is always a fun time. You know what's fun, though? I used to work in a pro shop for a good, like, five, six years, and... I literally loved when people just came in, like you said, just to hang out and just BS and, like, talk hockey because, like, that's the one thing that I could do for days, weeks, years. Like, I could literally talk hockey to people. And, like, when people used to come in and talk about, like, their old school stories about, like, oh, back in my day when these things were as, like, a fucking leather glove and, uh, you know, held together basically by, you know, duct tape and bubble gum. It's like, you're like, damn, man. Like, you guys really did come back from fucking dinosaur ages. And yeah, it's crazy. There's you, guys that come in with skates older than yeah, me, and they want you to sharpen them, and you try to put them on the holder, and you're like, "Um, uh, is this thing gonna break?" Or, but it's, yeah, it's cool though because then you get to also see like working in a pro shop, the evolution of like the equipment and of how like the technology that really gets put behind. Like people think you know, shin pads and like shoulder pads are just like simple padding, but like the actual technology that goes behind it, just protecting like your actual shoulders, your spine, like your chest plate, like your kneecaps, your calves, like everything like that. It's cool because back then they didn't have what we have. They didn't have things protecting their calves or like things like an extra layer of plastic, just protecting like their shins. Like, I don't know, man. Like I look at that stuff and I'm like so fascinated by it. I don't know. I'm weird, I guess. Well, well, for me, I'm so I'm surprised it took True so long to blow up because Scott Van Horn's been building skates since he was 14 years old in his dad's garage. Well, like that skate's unbelievable. I think what it is, and the the science behind it is is absurd. I think what it is though, it, it's almost like anyone starting out in the new marketplace. It's you have the big companies you're fighting against, and everyone's kind of scared to try a new, <laughs> a new brand because they don't know much about you. And yeah, you can bring up all the facts and say like on paper that it's the most scientific skate or the lightest skate on the market. But look what CCM, Bauer, look what happened to Graf. They fell through after how many years in business because of these companies. And it's just one of those things that it's such a dog eat dog world, even in like the market industry of hockey, not necessarily just the player aspect, but the, the sole purpose behind the market is to make money. And with true, I think with them is the reason why they finally were able to, you know, branch out so much is finally they had professional players stepping into their equipment and be like, wow, this is really nice. And like, I, I do have to bring this to someone. It's all, it's all kind of like word of mouth. Like if you're going to well, go ahead. Sorry. Well, that's my point. No, you're good. That's uh, that's my point. Like uh, Scott Van Horton had guys in these skates when he was in his garage. And now like you put the name, you slap the name true across it. 
and it blows up and all these guys are starting to wear it. But also on the on to go with that is like true let Scott Van Horn retail the skate and mass produce it. So like that that has something to do with it. But I mean I think that that kind of the the one piece skate idea should have been done by CCM and I think it needs to be adapted by Bauer and I'm surprised that the 2S Pro and the 2X don't aren't a one piece boot. Uh, I can agree with that, but what do you think about like the whole um oh god, what's that new runner that just came out? Is it Mars Blade that made it or the oh the shifting holder? Yes. Like, yeah, so I have I haven't I've seen it in hand once. Um we actually did a swap for somebody and from what I hear it's amazing. Uh and the the science in it sounds uh it sounds factual. I mean when you have uh, the blade shaped the way it is and you have a radius on the skate and only an inch and a half on a like a nine foot radius for example you get an inch and a half of blade on the ice mm-hmm. like when you have that mars blade shifting with your weight and you're keeping that blade on the ice i it would make sense that you're going to be able to have more control and more speed now my question is to you do you think you're going to see we're going to see that skate being used maybe like a Connor mcdavid or someone that has nothing but pure speed built around their their play style. Do you think that you're, we're going to see that more in the NHL or AHL anytime soon? Uh, I don't know. With I mean, it's hard to say because Bettman wants more goals. But uh, and if you give Connor McDavid more speed, I'm sure he'd put up more goals. But at the same time, it's kind of like how they're uh, limiting goalie equipment. How they used to have like uh, how they have limits on how tall the steel can be and how big the pads can be. Like, you can only have so much to help you out. So I don't think that that Mars blade is going to be something that sticks. Because I just don't think that the NHL is going to want that advantage when goalies are already getting pads shrunk every year. Because you'll just get complaints from guys like Garrett Sparks, who you slim down the chest protector. And I get it. That chest protector isn't safe by any means. The sticks are getting made to shoot the puck faster and faster. Yeah. But if you if you go ahead and give players another advantage – like, come on. Well, that and that's another thing that we can talk about is like, remember when Hanky like he got basically told that his pads were too, I think, too thick, and he had to thin them out. And it's kind of one of those things that you're starting to cut away, not ne- necessarily from like his play factor, but the safety aspect behind it. It's if you're starting to, you know, take pads or protection away from goaltenders, and their job is to save a puck that's minimum eighty miles an hour to a maximum one hundred and five. You're, you're going to kill a guy. You're going to basically make them more accident prone to break a rib or break a collarbone or just, and the worst part is it's not necessarily a shot you have to worry about. It's the BS that, you know, crashing the net or someone running you or just something stupid. You just never know what could happen because we all know, even like the more skilled guys that played men's league, like we're more worried about the bat. They're not as good guys on the ice because they can't control their equipment. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, for sure. I, and I mean, Go ahead. I, I don't think that – I think what you – about Hank, that it was that his pads were too too tall. Because um, that's, okay. that's, that's, uh, that's when they set in, like, the restrictions. So, basically, based on how tall you are, uh, you're allowed to have a certain – your pads only allowed to come up to a certain height. Uh, mm-hmm. So, ha- what Hank was wearing is, I believe, a 35 plus 3. Uh, a plus one is like the most is the most common thigh rise, maybe plus two. 
So mm-hmm. he was cheating his five hole by having that super huge thigh rise to cover up in between his knees. Cause that's a lot to do with like flexibility and technique. Um, but is that to compensate the, his the same... play style? Like since he's not as quick dropping down, is that to basically compensate for him? I would guess so. Um, okay. But I mean, to go along with, with goalie pad changes and stuff, I mean, I saw a prototype for the new glove uh, and for what they're going to slim down the glove to. And the new glove, uh, when you look at the cuff piece by your wrist, it's about, I would say, maybe an inch, inch and a half on either side of your wrist, when right now it's about eight or nine inches across. Like, when you're taking away all of that, you're going to have guys that are going to have pucks go off the side of that cuff and hit their wrist. Yeah. Like, so they're, the- they're getting extreme with this with this stuff. And, and I don't think that Bettman's going to be successful because every time that you take the goalie pad and you make it smaller, goalies are adapting. So goalies are becoming much more athletic than they used to be. And they're getting, they're getting in front of the puck. It doesn't matter how small you make the gear. The score's never going to get to eight nine game. And plus, fans would rather a true hockey fan would rather watch a two one game over an eight nine shootout any day. Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent. I agree with that. And I think the biggest thing too is like what you said. Goalies are willing to adapt no matter what you do to try to change. You know their play style. They're just going to get either more aggressive on their crease to cut the angle off, or they're just going to, like you said, just kind of change the way that they play and I don't think he is going to be successful I agree with you like I just think that it's going to take a few goalies to get hurt unfortunately until they realize like it's a dumb decision but that's his call yeah I mean that's what happens when you're the commissioner right yeah unfortunately, <laughs> as a famous Philly yeah. uh, fan would say hey Gary Bettman go fuck yourself <laughs> uh I felt a little left out you asked Eton about uh the uh, Team USA, but I didn't get any love for the Olympics. Oh my god, you know what? Well, go fuck myself. <laughs> How was it? My bad. Uh, well, you guys had Isaiah Khan on your team for a little bit, right? Good yeah. Isaiah. So nice that kid. that was uh, that was the other goalie who went with me to Israel. So I thought, I saw his name get put on that roster and I was like, what's happening? Like, all these kids I know. I saw Chico, I saw Colella, I saw Isaiah. I saw Max, and I'm like, "What is this team right now with all these goalies?" Yeah, we had what five goalies at one point, or six? We had six at the point that it, we had no, we had seven because Steve Izu, the fucking coach before me, fucking brought all these guys in, thinking it'd be a great idea when when you so have that one we could fucking, trade them. Yeah, well, so we well, not to shit get- on you guys, but. Oh, in ahead. like I want to say in like June or July of of last year. Actually, no, it was right after the season, so it was like I want to say May because I had started my summer job. But uh, yep, the whoever was supposed to be the head EHL coach had called me because Phil knew I was looking for somewhere to play. Yeah, uh, and gave this guy my number. He called me and he's like, he wanted me to sign a contract, and he was like giving me a deadline. And I was like, how many guys do you have signed right now? And he said four. I was like, nope, see you later. And then I was very, like, after watching that season unfold, uh, Dude, it was, I was very I, glad I you, that I didn't go there. It was fucking ridiculous. I mean, it's, for me and Mike, we got thrown into the fucking fire after he got fired. Right. And, yeah, and even, when he, even when he was gone, we still, we still got fucked by him with the ineligible player. Yeah, how did that happen? He, he brought in and signed an ineligible player. 
and that's, it all got fucking brought down on all of us. And the worst scary. part is we didn't get any like birth certificates. Like I'm, I was the equipment, so like I don't see that shit anyway. And it's kind of one of those things that as long as you pay the equipment fee, I give you your equipment. And when we all found out, like at least TJ and I and our other coach, we were just like, "Oh shit!" Like who? And then all of a sudden they said his name, and we literally were like, "You mean Gallon?" They're like, "He." They said his real name. We we're like, "Who the fuck is that?" And then we all looked at each other like, "Oh shit!" And yeah, it fucked us unfortunately. But at the same so time, did, so did this kid have all fake? Uh, yeah, we didn't. Like, we didn't get any, like we like, didn't get anything. We didn't. We didn't get anything from him because when you're playing junior hockey, we you know you sign up and play. You know what I mean? You're right. under elite prospects and shit like that. So. We never got anything from him. We never asked anything from him, and it, it just—he played. He played literally nine games with us before That's this happened. So funny. Yeah. Yeah, and the worst part is he didn't get a fucking point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then better. on top of that, the only team that we beat was a team not even in our league. They're in. Yeah, that was Washington great. Washington State. That was great. And they looked like a bunch of sixteen-year-olds. So good for us. And then you only win by like a goal. Don't yeah, because him. don't pull because, that away. From no, we, that. Listen, that was a hard earned win. Listen, we I, were I'm up, not we're taking up. anything away from you. Greasy, like greasy <laughs> we goals are how you win games. But uh, <laughs> listen, we were up three nothing with fucking five minutes to go, and my defenseman took a fucking five minute major for spearing, and they scored two goals on the fucking power play. That's how they scored their goal. That, yep, that's a wait. Who, great. who was it that took the spearing? Who do you think, Danny Hurley? Hurley. <laughs> uh, Gritty. Yeah, it made it made no, dude. I'll tell you what, it was so funny though because like Chico got nasty because of that team, honestly. Man, like, goalies get better on bad teams, dude. He he got absolutely disgusting. And we had this one kid, um, uh, Kyle Penton. Man, this kid wants to go play prep school in uh, Boston, which I mean, I wouldn't doubt him doing that either. But this kid was like our number one goalie. And he was hands down a fucking stud. And it's like one of those things that like Chico was a number one as well. But when we threw Chico and he had such a different play style than, you know, Kyle, cause Chico was smaller, but dude, this kid used to like Chico, meaning Chico used to fucking like stand on his head, doing barrel rolls, like just making nasty kick saves. Like, and he's just like throwing the puck at the ref, like get that shit out of here. And we're just like, dude, this kid's a little fucking shit. I love it. And he used to talk so much shit. From his crease. Chico is so funny. I loved it, man. Like, Chico is my boy. I love that kid. And then... He's a a good kid. Have you ever played with his brother, Mike? I haven't. Dude, that kid's pretty sick, too. I think he's playing at Alvernia right now. He's doing really well. But, um, yeah, man. So, where are you playing next year? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm looking at uh, either Rutgers or mom told me there's a, a small possibility I could play juniors and age out next year. Hey, man. But, but hold on. We got we got off topic. Back to the Olympics because that's actually a cool story. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry. Sorry. We got we got way off topic because I brought that up Isaiah. a lot with us. Um, so so what happened with that was like uh, I the tryouts were actually at the Rev. So I found out about my mom saw the thing like the day before uh, for the tryout and she registered me. I went and like initially I had gotten cut. So they do open and they do junior. So junior was U18 and open was, uh, I believe, 19 to 30, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, so that's where all like the and there's NCAA D1 guys playing open. Like that team's sick. And yeah. this U, this U18 team basically is kids Honey Baked, Bell Tire, San Jose Junior Sharks, Junior Kings. Like these kids, there's a kid from Shattuck. Like these kids were all unreal. So I get cut. I find out like two months later that I got cut. I'm like, whatever. Uh, and then basically you got a year to fundraise for the trip so that you didn't have to pay for it. Uh, and I got two months notice on that. So they called me and they were like, Hey, one of our goalies bailed. Do you want to come? I'm like, absolutely. Like trip to Israel. Uh, and let me tell you, I am, I've never been more grateful for American fast food in my life. Because bad. Well, no, eating there is just very difficult when you grow up on an American diet. And, like, I'm a picky eater, but, like, yeah. you walk down to breakfast and you're having spaghetti and meatballs. Like, you have <laughs> in, in, like, Middle Eastern and, like, European countries, like, you have real substance for breakfast. You don't have – there's no waffles. There's no pancakes. There's no French toast. Like, you eat hearty foods for breakfast, and it was so funny. Um, but uh, we we basically – practiced every day um at like 6 a.m on this half sheet of ice it was like smaller than a pond because it wasn't wide it was very very narrow and these kids were like doing a drill where they start on one end and they get to the far blue line and they already got to shoot because otherwise they're going to miss the net um so we we practiced on this rink at six in the morning every day and then we would work out while the open team skated uh, and then kind of start, we would go back to the hotel for breakfast around 10 o'clock, uh, start our touring and not get home back to the hotel until 11. Uh, so we had a, a very long trip, but it was, we were there for a month. And by the time it was over, we, we were like, this feels like we've been here for a year. Um, being with the same guys every single day, doing everything together. It was probably the best, not only hockey experience, but I guess religious experience, um, cause I'm, I'm not very religious, but like you go to Israel and you're Jewish, you kind of have to be. Um, so, uh, we, we went out every day. We saw, uh, Masada, which was absurd. We went when it was 115 degrees to hike this huge mountain in the middle of the desert. Um, we, we went in like these underwater or underground caves that have water running through them, like all these crazy places. Um, but the hockey was probably the most fun of it. We, we skated every day, uh, and when we, we started off, I forget where we were staying the first week or so, um, but the, the second two weeks, we were in the city of Jerusalem. So like Everything was walking distance. We could go out and see things, um, and we played in Pius Arena, which, believe it or not, Bettman paid for to put down a sheet of ice in that basketball stadium, um, and like we watched the, uh, the U.S. versus Canada Open game, there was 10,000 people there. It was one of the craziest. I wasn't even playing. We were just watching, and it was still one of the craziest experiences to be at a USA-Canada game. Like, oh, super, super cool. And, I mean, unfortunately, Canada won, but that story tells itself. Go figure. Um, and then for, for us, we actually went 5-0. and uh, It's the first time the U.S. took home a gold medal for, for the Maccabi A games. Uh, we, we, me and Isaiah kind of split where he played Canada and Israel once. And I did the same thing. Uh, and I ended up getting the nod for the gold medal game, which I also happened to be 
uh, most valuable player. So that was very, very cool experience playing a huge, I had a, uh, probably one of the best games I've ever played in my life. A lot of pressure. Um, the so open, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you there, Jake. You, you won a gold medal against who? Canada. Canada, but you didn't play in EHL playoffs. Why? Uh, there's a <laughs> dispute with the You don't have to staff. answer. I'm just throwing it out there. Like, just, that's... just a no, dispute I want to with the coaching know. staff. No, I can't. I, I can't. At, at a later, at a later date, we'll discuss Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. Because when I saw that you weren't fucking playing EHL playoffs, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Listen, I, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I think every I think anyone who knows who I am was kind of thinking the same thing. Uh, I know yeah, a lot of guys on the team were thinking that. Over this guy. Wait, wait, you know Santoro then? I love Santoro. That's my boy. Juicy J. Hell yeah. Juicy J, yo. He just came online, actually. I got my Xbox on. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, uh... I, I used to coach him when we did 16s. He's a good kid, man. He he came a long way. So yeah, he's also. Go ahead, go ahead. I used to uh, shoot on him a lot, and uh, I used to do a lot of one on O's. And like when I got done playing juniors, it was kind of one of those things where I went and just shot on him a lot. And right, dude, I used to just try to undress him. Like, and I don't have good hands, but for he's reason, so I, big. He's so yeah. big, you can't get around him. Kid's Dude, six four. He's a monster, him. and he used to just windmill, windmill me, and just like throw me the puck. I'd be like, "Fuck you, juicy! Like you're a dick." But no, good kid. He, good family. He's such such a good such a good kid. His dad's a man. Um, oh, I'm, I'm actually glad Alan he got Santoro. to play those playoff games. Dude. He he deserved it, dude. He had a. I played I played twice as many games as that kid this year, but he had a. He was like nine and two, and I was like five and eighteen. Damn. It was unreal. It was no, he yeah, went and then nice. even after losing two playoff games, he still ended the season with a with a winning record Dude, on a losing team. I mean, for me as a coach, I, I I'd make you my number one. Just saying. Well, hey. that's the way, that's how it was the the beginning of the year, and then we added Grace into the mix. Um, and I mean, I it is what it is. Uh, I'm not the coaching staff. They make their decisions with based on whatever they want. Um, and, like, I would argue it sometimes, but sometimes, like, just got to let it go. And, I mean, if we're playing one of the, the worst teams in the league, I'm obviously not going to be uh, upset. I'm I'm a team guy. Like, obviously, if we're going to play someone who we should beat, like, they, these guys should get in, get their ice time. Yeah. Um, sure. but, but when we're playing Vermont or the Wolves or, or the Little Flyers, like, I think I earned those spots against those teams because i this is my fourth year playing in basically the same league it was it was the met it was the ehlp or sorry it was the ehl elite and then it was the ehlp and now they're back to the u19 yep so i mean <laughs> i don't it it is what it is and i'm hoping they next draw year draws every year to pick a new name they're like oh <laughs> this is what's gonna be this year that's that's what it seems like and to me i think that the the ehlp doesn't get the acknowledgement that the EHL does when in real in in reality even though it's technically the lower tier like there's a lot of guys that should be in the EHL that either can't afford it or just can't afford to go away from home and bill it like that was my deal I was I wanted to play EHL last year and I, 
I feel I could have done it. Um, but I just wrong place, wrong time. And I couldn't get, I didn't want to have to find a new job and, and start all over again for like the third year in a row, you know? Oh yeah, for sure, man. I get that. I mean, we all get that. And that's the biggest thing. It's kind of, it's tough. And we said in a couple podcasts ago where hockey isn't a cheap sport, man. And that's where a lot of people, they don't have a lot growing up, but yet they still find ways to either make it up into better systems or better leagues. And it's all about reaching out and just kind of not being scared to be told no. And like we said before, like you can make an NCDC team that you don't have to play anymore. Or even if you make the AAA team, that's right underneath them. You you at least have your foot in the door with the program. So it doesn't hurt to really try to reach out to people and see if you can come try out. And, you know, if there's a fee to, you know, pay, it kind of sucks. But um, Well, absolutely. Cause I only went back. I went back to the Renegades because last year we had – I had gotten traded there from the 87s. Um, and I had a good year there. We had a, a good group of guys everyone was serious and wanted to be there all the time. And so I went back cause it was a good place. I, I was told like I'd be the number one guy. Um, and I mean, of course that depends on my play. It's not just handed to me. Um, but I think I was earning it and we were just getting outskilled in a lot of these games. Um, so unfortunately my second year wasn't there, wasn't as good as the, the first, but, yeah. uh, Oh, juicy, juicy J just came online. Um, Oh, <laughs> but uh i mean it is what it is and i'm hoping next year i can go somewhere and back to like lehigh like i would have loved to go there because i was i was hoping to play ehl somewhere and like it worked and i and i knew some people and like didn't work out and kind of glad it didn't because at least i kept my job and made it through a whole season yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> uh, but i gotta gotta see what's up for next year gonna do some homework and hopefully find a place to play I'll tell you what, man. We wish you luck. Thank keep you. Us, appreciate uh, it. Keep us posted. If you ever need absolutely. us to tell someone off, we'll tell someone to fuck off. And <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Uh, Thanks for absolutely. being on, buddy. No problem, guys. I'll see you soon. Yeah, you later. too, brother. Bye-bye. So, another good episode. Um, just want to thank everyone that tunes in to listen to our podcast week to week. Um, we appreciate it, you know, tremendously. Before we leave, um, just going to touch on a couple of our sponsors. So, we do, of course, have Bear Beards. Bear Beards, you can find on bearbeards.etsy.com. Um, they have all the type of beard products that you need, such as beard bombs. Uh, they also have chapstick. They also have oils, combs, and they also have T-shirts if you're trying to find a T-shirt. So bearbeards.etsy.com. Use our promo code GONGSHOW10 to get 10% off your disc- or off your entire purchase. Um, TJ. Yes, I will. I, I will gladly say this sponsor that we have is uh, Monster Hockey Sticks. I actually used one this weekend. Fucking, uh, it, it, you couldn't even tell the difference between the Monster Stick and a Bauer Stick. That's nice. So if you check out Monster Hockey Sticks uh, online or on Instagram at Monster Sticks or Monster Hockey Sticks on Instagram and give them a follow, check them out. They the sticks light as shit, man. One of the best sticks I've used, you know, with uh, or CCM Warrior, and you can't even tell the difference, man. It's so light, it, 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 the puck just flies off the stick. So give him a follow. It's Monster Hockey Sticks uh, on Google or Monster Sticks on Instagram. 
So again, thank you everyone for tuning in to Dusty Dimes. But again, everyone stay dusty. Stay dusty.